Amen. So glad to see you this morning. I, uh, when I sense that, I just got, I got to give to it. I got to lean into it. Thank you. Those of you that are logging in online here at our live service at Victory 10 a.m. here in Marion, Arkansas. It's an honor to have you with us. We've been doing a series called Scent, and it is a reminder of the call and the purpose of the church. Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians, Ephesians 3 says that this is the eternal purpose which God purposed in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's the people of God from every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue. It's red and yellow, black, white, brown, and purple, and everything else. So we're talking about what we are called to, and we are called to follow in his footsteps and to represent Christ. We use the word represent, and I think a way to be able to further magnify what that means is to just break it into syllables. When we represent Jesus, we re-present him to the world because the world is still looking. They're still longing to see, okay, I hear all these claims of religion. Is this, is this God real? Is this Jesus who he says he is? And the only way the world's going to know is if we demonstrate just like in John chapter 12 when the Greeks came and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. I mean, that's all the world wants to see. They want to see Jesus. They want to see him in your life. You're a believer. You're a Christian. You claim Jesus. Then let your life show it. Come on. You, you, we sang that little song as kids. If you're happy and you know it, let your face show it. Come on. I know I, I can't tell you to turn and say to somebody this morning, maybe hold your mask up. But uh, everybody just look at me and say, Are you happy and you know it? All right, so we're talking this morning in um, scent number seven. The title of the message is called Missional Expectations. Missional is just an adjective form that describes what scent ones do. We are missional. We are on mission. That's the title, the subtitle of the message, sent a people on mission. And so we have been sent by God in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has taught, everything that he's spoken, everything that the word of God declares. There are expectations that we have as sent ones, things that we're going to encounter, circumstances we're going to deal with. Our text is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I'd like for you to read it out loud with me, please, if you would. The scripture says in the New Living Translation, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the reiteration of the Great Commission that appears at the close of every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that it appears in the opening of the book of Acts, because Acts is the sequel Acts is part two. Acts is the continuation and the expansion of God's program beyond God being in the Son and then filling the Holy Spirit into the apostles. And now we've seen this thing explode into multiplied thousands. By this point where we are in the book of Acts, there are churches that are thriving in several key locations in the known world. Paul is in the middle of his second missionary journey as we 
uh, open Acts chapter 16 today. We'll be looking at it in just a moment. And my hopes is to get 16, 17, and 18, if time permits. Um, we'll be starting his third missionary journey next Sunday, which is in 19. We're going to try to go from 19 through about 24 or so, and then finish it up one week after that. I, I preach with what's called one thing. One thing is the central idea. If you don't get anything else out of my message, you will remember this, because I'm going to say it to you over and over, and that's intentional. Repetition is good. Repetition has been utilized because we recognize sometimes it takes multiple times to grasp something. So here's our one thing. Say it with me, please. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember that God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. Now that'll preach right there. If I just want to say amen, we can go home right now. Get it again. Come on. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember that God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. One speaks to the favor of God, another one speaks to the presence of God, and the last one speaks to the empowerment of God on the inside of us. You have what it takes to do what God has called you to do. Come on, somebody. All sent ones. All sent ones, everybody say, that's me. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember. Anytime the word remember is used, it's because we have a tendency to forget. Don't forget, remember, put it back together, remember it. Take all the fragments of your memory and remember them. Put them together whole and remember these things. God is for us. The scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans eight thirty one. That right there will preach the rest of the day. And he's not just for us, but he is with us. He sent his son, Jesus, who's also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when you go into your meeting this week, God is for you. He's on your side. God is with you. He's accompanying you. But he's not just beside you. He is in you, and he will speak through you if you will learn how to just submit to the leading of his Holy Spirit. Now, this is going to be a good message if you'll help me, somebody. And you know what? Those of you that are watching online at home or wherever, listening in your car, you can say amen with us uh, and, and declare your, your affirmation of what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to bring encouragement. You know, we've already prayed, but I want to, go, I want to do it again anyway. Let's bow our hearts together. Spirit of God, thank you that you're with us in this room this morning and that you remind us of some simple, key, powerful truths that you're for us. Lord, thank you that with God, by myself, I'm in a majority because God's on my side. That's true of every person in this room and every person listening. Thank you that you come alongside us, you teach us, you, you show us how to follow you and walk with you. And Lord, beyond that, you, you move inside and you take up your habitation, your abode, you dwell. You've called us the temple of the living God. Thank you that we are sons and daughters. Let us... God, arise today out from shaking off, as Pastor Haley reminded us, the spirit of fear that you've not given us, but of power and of love and a self-disciplined sound mind. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Sent ones understand that there will always be some things that I'm going to give you today. I want to get as far as I can with our time. Sent ones understand there will always be the first one is disagreements. Now, what a way to start a message. How many of you know that there are going to be problems? Becoming a Christian doesn't fix 
everything in your life. It just gives you a way to fix everything in your life. I, I, I counsel young couples regularly, have been doing it now for 30 plus years of ministry, and I try to tell all of them, look, I know you're looking at each other all Google-eyed right now, but I promise you, you're going to have some problems. My, my, my mission is to put enough tools in your toolbox to help you deal with the problems. Uh, we're, not, we're not looking to set up an escape hatch. We're committed till death do us part, and, and we recognize that we're going to have to learn how to deal with some disagreements. I had a couple tell me one time, probably 25 years ago in the church, said, you know, we've been married five years, and we've never even had a disagreement. And I said, well, somebody's a doormat then. I said, I'm going to tell you, two human beings that both are fully expressing their humanity, there's going to be something cross your will once in a while. And that's when husbands and wives have to come together and say, not my will, but the Lord's. Not my will, but my wife's, no. Wife doesn't say not my will, but my husband's, no. Not our will, but the Lord's will be done. And you both learn to arrive at a place of agreement because disagreements are going to come. Let's get the text. This is found in Acts 15. The scripture says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. The backstory behind this is that on the first missionary journey, a young guy by the name of John Mark went with them. And it was a little bit more than he bargained for. He, he bit off more than he could chew, and he ended up leaving the team and going back home. And it irked Paul. Paul said, nope. He marked him, said, no, can't do that. I've got to have some folks that I know that when I get in the foxhole of faith, when I get in a position where we are standing against opposition and the gates of hell that we're attempting to break through and somebody leaves in the middle of the battle, I, I don't have any time for that. Now, thank God Barnabas didn't give up on John Mark because John Mark ends up becoming strong enough in God that he writes for us one of our critical gospels. He's the writer of the book of Mark. But Paul momentarily said, don't have time for that. And they separated. Now, if I tell you the rest of the story, it would take up too much of the message. But just let me tell you that later in Paul's writings, he said, oh, bring John Mark too. Because something had shifted in Paul's spirit. John Mark had matured. Barnabas had taken him under his wing. Barnabas is the son of encouragement that I told you last week. Everybody needs a Barnabas in your life. Because Barnabas had first taken Paul when he was still known as Saul. He actually went to Saul's hometown in Tarsus to find him. And then he built into him, invested in him, mentored him, discipled him. So that he would eventually become probably the chief apostle in the New Testament. Having the responsibility of writing two-thirds of what we call the New Covenant or the New Testament. But in this, the beginning of this second missionary journey... Paul said, nope, John Mark's not going with me. And they had a disagreement that was so strong that they literally separated. Sometimes God will call you to recognize for the sake of the mission and for the protection of unity, you might not always be in the same church. You might not always be on the same team. Because we have personalities and personalities clash. And sometimes we need to be wise enough and, and love the mission of God enough that we can back up and say, you know, I, I think that probably we can serve God better if you lead that and I will go over here and lead this. You know, the beautiful thing about this when you read this story is they didn't split any church. They recognized that they had to go their separate ways, but they didn't destroy the unity. 
And as the scripture says, Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. They knew that Barnabas was God's man. They knew that Paul was God's man. Barnabas took John Mark, Paul took Silas, and they went separate ways. The whole point is, folks, is even sent ones have disagreements. Come on, both of you, husband and wife, can love the Lord, be saved, sanctified, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, working in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, having dreams and visions, and visiting the third heaven once in a while. But you are going to have a disagreement. And the issue is, you need to learn how to have a disagreement. You need to protect the unity. You need to guard the mission. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must remember that God is for us and God is with us and God is in us. Sent ones recognize there will always be number two hindrances. Look at your, yeah, if you're far enough away from them, tell your neighbor, say, be flexible. We are going to have hindrances. And the issue is, is that too often in our current era, we always blame every hindrance on the devil. Devil must be fighting me because I, I can't get what I want. Look at this. The scripture says in Acts 16, verse 6, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because what? Look at it. The Holy Spirit had prevented them. Wait a minute now. You, wait, you mean the Spirit of God can sometimes get in my way and hinder me from doing what I think I'm supposed to do? Absolutely, if what you think you're supposed to do doesn't line up with what God knows you're supposed to do. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. If you didn't get it enough the first time, read the next emboldened words with me. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now, just because what you're praying for doesn't happen the way you want it doesn't mean that the devil's against you. Sometimes God is saying, hang on, wait a minute. Your vision's too small. What you think is the cure-all, end-all, be-all of all of this, I'm going to do bigger and better than that. And if I give you what you want, you'll settle. And so, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. Now, the issue is, is a hindrance the work of the enemy or is it the work of God? Well, that's an interesting question. And you know something? There is not a chapter and verse in the Bible that you can turn to and look for the specific answer to your situation. Now, this is the thing that, I, that it befuddles all of those who really lean to more of an intellectual, word-only kind of a relationship with the, with the Lord. Everything's a principle, everything's doctrine, everything's dogma, and I love and respect every one of those things. But I'm telling you, being word or truth only won't grow you up. It will dry you the heck up. You have to have the Spirit of God moving and working in you, and there are things that you have to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14 says, For many as are led by the Spirit of God. It didn't say everybody who reads the Word every day. It says everybody who's led by the Spirit of God, they're called the sons of God. Now, I believe you ought to be in the Word every day because it's the Word that gives you the principles of wisdom and understanding so that you can learn to listen to with the still small voice in your spirit and the ear that's in the middle of your heart. Are you hearing me this morning? And, and God, may, God may take your peace when you turn to take a step in that direction and he may hinder you to close that door. And you know, there are times when in the middle of it, you know that you're doing God's will and there's still hindrances. That's when you can know that's the enemy that's attempting to prevent 
what you're about to break through because you're going to have great effect and great blessing and great influence in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember that God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. Sent ones must always remember that there will always be divine appointments. God will lead you to people who need to hear what you've got. They need to be exposed to your testimony. When you can say, look what the Lord has done. People will argue theology, but they can't argue. You will put a muzzle on their mouth when you just open up and give your testimony and say, I once was blank, but now I'm blank. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was in bondage, but now I'm free. I once was addicted, but now I'm whole. I'm well. Whatever your testimony is, people can't argue with it. Come on. God will give you divine appointments. Be expectant. Everybody say, I expect. Acts 16. On the Sabbath, Paul and Silas... We went a little way outside the city to Riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia. Now, this is an entrepreneurial chick. She's a businesswoman. She's a dealer in purple, which is fine fabric. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God, so she was a God-fearer. As she listened to us, look what happened. Say it with me. Read it out loud. The Lord opened her heart. How many of you know you can witness all day long, but unless God opens the heart of a person, it still takes the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. It's not how fine you can do your five points of grace, man, God, Christ, faith, and E-E, or how, how well you do faith, F-A-I-T-H, or even how wonderful your testimony is. God, the Holy Spirit, has to do a work and open the heart of the people that are listening to you, or you're just throwing seed on hard ground. Don't shout me down, but I'm telling the truth this morning. As she listened to us, the Lord, I work, I prepare, I pray, but ultimately it's got to be the Holy Ghost that's moving right now in your heart, in your life, in you, sir, you, ma'am, that are listening online. The Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. How many of you know some folk, they just don't quit? I, I remember growing up and my mama at the table. I, I'm going to blame every bit of my weight struggle on my mama because she would just say, oh, come on, have another piece. Oh, come on, it's, it's fresh. It's so good. Have another one. Oh, you know you want one. And she would literally just, I mean, and there was a new phrase every time. Now, I know I, it's my fault, but I'm just being, you know, facetious. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. I've been driving down the highway, folks, with a purpose to go to some place, and all of a sudden I would have an urge, and I would get off on that exit, and I would pull in, and I would walk in there and see somebody from 20 years in my past, and we would embrace and hug, and, and I would pray for them. Folks, that's happened to me. Oh, I could fill up that hand telling you testimonies of times when I've been, I've been headed somewhere and I just had an urge. It was the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. And I would pull off the highway, go into a place, and I would go, oh my gosh, I didn't even want to come in here. But the Spirit of God wanted me to see you. How many of you know that happens? God will order your steps. Lydia becomes a powerful influence in the kingdom of God because Paul and Silas had an urge to go find some folks in prayer meeting at the river. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember that God, say it with me, God is for us. God is 
with us and God is. You're getting the one thing. You're going to remember it. Sent ones always remember there will always be opposition. When you encounter opposition, you know it's the enemy. It's not God hindering you to take a different direction, but it's the opposition of the enemy because of what you're accomplishing for the kingdom of God. In the middle of that, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Acts 16, 22-24, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Help me, Lord. They were severely beaten, and when they were thrown, and then they were thrown into prison. Not enough that you get a beaten that you'll never forget, but you get thrown down into prison. Look what it says. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, let me interpret this for you. In the inner dungeon literally means the basement, and at this time in history, there was no plumbing. So all of the sewage and the refuse and human waste all is running down into the inner dungeon where Paul and Silas are not just down in a damp, dark, stinky, smelly place, but they have their extremities in stocks. They're bound. And if, if you remember this story, I, I, I love to preach this message because the scripture says at about midnight, Paul and Silas sang and they prayed and they sang praises to God. And the scripture specifically says, and the prisoners were listening. How many of you know in the middle of your circumstance? I want you to know that it's kind of a frightening thing to me, but in the middle of the struggle that I've faced the last four years, one of the, one of the, most, uh, one of the most sobering facts that I've had to deal with is that this whole community has been watching me to see what I was going to do after my wife took her own life and what comes out of your mouth. And I want to tell you something. If, when you confess Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of your life, people perk up. They want to say, okay, I hear his claim. I hear her testimony, but let's see if she really is legit. Let's see if he really means what he says. People are watching and they're listening and they're paying attention. And when you're down in the dungeon in the dark, stinky place of limitation and frustration and you can't move, come on, somebody help me preach in this place a little bit this morning. The last thing you need to do is what you want to do. What your nature tries to push you to do, and that's to cry and gripe and complain and whine about it. But if you've got to make a decision that you will pray and that you will begin to sing your praises to God. And I love it because the scripture doesn't leave this out. It was at midnight when most folk are, most folk are pretty discouraged. They're flipping around watching all those infomercials. They're ordering a $199.99 get-rich-quick scheme or lose 190 pounds in 30 days or get abs fantastic or buns that are steel or what. I need to quit. I need to quit. I got to quit. I'll just stop right there. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Constrain me. Hinder me, Holy Ghost. I want you to remember this. When you're facing opposition, because sent ones always know there will always be opposition, you've got to remember who you're fighting. You are not fighting the people whose mouths are being used. You're fighting a spirit. It's spiritual warfare, spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible says that our answer to that is to be strong in the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and in the power of His might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not your enemy. 
The boss you think hates you is not your enemy, but it's the spirit that's motivating or animating him or her. Pray. Maybe show up with the right attitude and be there on time. And, and guess what? God may utilize you to be a voice and a witness into his or her life. Everybody say, be strong. And the story goes like this. They prayed at midnight and they sang praises to God. And the beauty of it is, is just like we felt the presence and the worship of the Holy Spirit a moment ago, God got involved. God is for you in your limitation. God is for you. He is with you in your prison of limitation and restriction. And beyond that, God is in you. And you release Him by the words that you speak out of your mouth. His presence moves into the atmosphere and changes your circumstances. And like the little African-American preacher said, I don't think anybody can preach any better than him. When I heard him say one time, God got excited about the song he heard Paul and Silas preaching that he stood up out of his throne and he got to patting his foot. And when God got to patting his foot, the earth started quaking and shaking. And the Bible says the doors flew open on the prison and the stocks fell off of Paul and Silas. There's another, there's another principle here I wish I could preach. I wish I could really take time because... I have you swinging from these light fixtures in here this morning. Don't wait till you break through to give God praise. Come on. Praise Him in the prison of your limitation. Praise Him in the middle of your circumstance at midnight when everybody's listening and seeing, are you going to quit? Are you going to follow through with your, your dream to build a church, to, to raise up a, a, a life-giving people in the middle of the delta? About midnight when you think you've lost everything, are you going to give up? When really I had the right to. I don't think anybody would have ever even blinked twice if I'd have just said, you know what, I'm done, I'm going to go do something else. But in the middle of that, God strengthened me. In the middle of that, God reminded me that he was for me and that he is with me and that he is in me. Because that's what all sent ones on mission for the kingdom of God must always remember that God, say it with me, God is for us and God is with us and God is in us. Sent ones must always remember there will always be questions. Acts 17. Look at your neighbor and say, be ready. Be ready. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. Verse 23, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. This, this so speaks of our current uh, zeitgeist, the spirit of this age, this culture in which we live. There is just this, what's the word, Holy Spirit, I'm looking for? This, this giving into, this honoring of all of the multiplicity, because we are now what we would call a pluralistic society. So there's not one over the other, but we honor all of them. But they did have a little one over in the corner, and it says, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. He says, this God, everybody say, this God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Acts 17 is the famous place where Paul utilizes the, the poets, the songwriters, the, the, the bards, the troubadours, the, the, the Bob Dylans, the protest songs. He, 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 he sees what is on the hearts of the people of Athens and he comes and appeals to them speaking their language. No missionary worth his or her salt would go to a tribe in South America and not 
have some familiarity with the language those people speak, there would be no way to be able to communicate the gospel. That's obvious. But we're right here in the Delta. And I want to tell you, there is a language that the people around you are speaking. I, I know it's English. You know, and there may be certainly derivatives of it. But when I talk about the language, I'm not just talking about how you say the words, but the, the, the belief in the, behind the words that are driving the way people talk. When, when you can learn the language, when you can decipher the language, and then you can begin to translate the kingdom of God through those words, then people all of a sudden open their hearts and hear and listen. We need to learn the language of Babylon around us, whether your Babylon is corporate or whether your Babylon is on a ball team. We need to learn how to speak the words with understanding and then take the love of God with the Word of God by the Spirit of God into the hearts of those people. We speak their language. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, Set apart the Lord in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you and do it with gentleness, with meekness, the King James says, and with fear. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember that God is for us. Say it with me. God is with us and God is in us. Are you getting anything out of this? Man, I'm, I'm doing it. I've got two more and I'm going to be finished. Wow. Sent ones, remember there will always be young disciples. There will always be those that need to grow and mature, which means there has to be grace for people to make mistakes. You have to show them. Let them do it, let them try, let them fail, and then don't blow up when they don't do it the way you want them to do it. There will always be young, there will always be young disciples. Everybody say, be consistent. This is where the Lord's dealing with me personally right now is consistency. I am intense. I've had intensity. Intensity runs through me like blood in my veins. I don't have an issue getting intense because I'm passionate about what I do and what I believe. And I'm consistent in a lot of areas in my life, but the one that I'm that I'm wrestling down right now, that I'm journaling about, that I'm writing about, that I'm praying over, is just consistency in my relationship with food. I'm, I'm, I'm about to break over 100 pounds lost since dawn passed. These, these are 38s that I'm in this morning, and I got a little bit of room in them. I was in 50s, y'all. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, you need consistency with your intensity because I know how to get intense and then I would just ramp up and I would gear up and I would manage my macros, my proteins and my carbs and my my fats and and I would do cardio and I would sweat like a fiend and I would press and I would do resist resistance training and build some muscle and, and then I would just do all of this to get to a goal and then I would relax. And in a year, here comes 10 more pounds back. And then two years, there's 25 back. It may take me five, six. The last time, it took me 10 to put it all back on. But when I did, I put back on more than I had taken off. So that when dawn passed, I, had, I weighed 346 pounds. That's awful. And... The Lord spoke to me. I said, Father, I'm, I've, I've done this. I've yo-yoed up and down five times, major amounts of weight, five times in my life, 40, 50, 60, 70. At this time, it'll be 100 pounds, over, more, over 100. And I'm determined to get there, but this time I've said, I've written down and I've prayed, and I've said, God, this is the last time I'm going to fight this battle coming down. I'm going to maintain the victory that I fought to win. I'm going to maintain, I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to let it be stolen from me again. And when I say stolen, it's just, 
whatever I can put in my own mouth. I don't know about you, but there's this amazing thing that, that just this, this hinge joint right here. Every time I, I move that joint, that my mouth flies open. <laughs> so the Spirit of God spoke to me. He says, put consistency with your intensity. Now, some of you may, what do you mean the Spirit of God spoke to you? I, I mean, I just, way, way down in my heart, in my spirit, I heard those words. So I'm writing about what, what it means to be consistent. If you're going to make disciples, you have to be consistent because your example matters. Look at this. Each Sabbath, we're in Acts 18, verse 4. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. Every Saturday. Verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you. There it is right there. What's our one thing? God is for us. God is what? With us. And God is... So the Spirit of God speaks to Paul, says, I'm with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. Paul was intense, but he was also consistent. And look what it says. Read it out loud, everybody. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the Word of God. People, the power of a consistent action will trump 10,000 words. Notice the book we're studying is not the book of words. It's the book of what? Acts. The book of the Acts of the Apostles. The book of the Acts of the early church. One consistent act, an example, will trump 10,000 words. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must rem always remember that God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. Last point. Man, I'm finishing this, and I'm about one minute over, so here we go. Sent ones know that there will always be new leaders that need to be trained. Everybody say new leaders. We're, we're praying for folk to come along and help serve because we're getting back into the flow. We're getting services started. We're... we're, we're kind of challenging our social distancing this morning. So we've met this last week and we're talking about gearing up to try to get two services going back again. And you know, folk have got a little bit of fear. Now, let's be smart. Let's be wise. Put your mask on, wash your hands, social distance, do everything you know you need to do. But we need your help. We need some teams. We're not going to start children's ministry yet. It'll probably be after Labor Day. And all that's going to be whether or not we can see this thing begin to decrease. So, I mean... Talk about flexibility. We're all having to be flexible. But I need, I need some leaders. I need some folk to step up. Look at this, and I'm finished. Uh, Acts chapter 18, 24 through 28. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord. And he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla, who's a woman, and Aquila, note, note the order there, it's kind of cool. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately to him. Now, Priscilla and Aquila had just joined Paul in the team just a few verses back in the previous chapter. Because when you're on mission, God will link up to you people that you need to be connected to. He'll bring you new friends. He'll bring you new relationships. You're on mission because God's called you to start a business. Pray. Don't just go hire whoever you think looks good or sounds good. Get the will of the Lord. Pray and get the mind of the Spirit of God about what you're... Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down. Look at this. Are you getting anything out of this? 
Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. Get this, this is what happens when you train a new leader. When he arrived there, he what? Say it. He proved to be of great benefit. We need leaders that will be consistent and that will prove to be a blessing to the things of God. By God's grace, to those who by God's grace had believed. Last verse and I'm finished. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments and public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. God's called us to discipleship, which adds followers. But he's also called us to train new leaders, which multiplies followers. Because if all I'm doing is just trying to reach you and we stop right there, then thank God we've reached those who we've reached. But if we train leaders who are equipped with the same tools then now my ministry is magnified through certainly these two that are sitting here and another dozen that are out here in the crowd, and then we're able to actually begin to have an effect on the delta for the cause of the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, put your hands together. Thank you for bearing with me. I'm, I close as I say this. All sent ones on mission in the kingdom of God must always remember this. Finish it with me. Here we go. That God is for us. God is with us, and God is in us. As we prepare to close this service this morning, those of you that are sitting here in this room, those of you that are watching online now or sometime in the future, God knows where you are. He knows what time it is, and this word doesn't have an expiration date on it. It's not like the bread in your pantry or the eggs that say best if used by. The word of God does not, it's not corruptible. It doesn't decay, it doesn't die, it doesn't expire. So this word is for you right now that are hearing it in this room and wherever you're listening. God desires to know you and have you know him in a relationship that is alive, not just religion that knows about God, but a relationship that, that knows Jesus is real. And you know, you start there. You start and let God drops the rock, the revelation of Christ's kingdom into your pond. And then it starts to work in you. And it starts to move out in those concentric circles. Little things start to change. Your heart is aligned in a different direction. God gives you a new heart because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Things that you've always tried to do in your own strength and never been able to accomplish now by the Spirit and by God's grace you're able to do them. And that's because he's for you and he's with you and he's in you. And he's done that because of what Jesus did for us. He paid the eternal price of the penalty of my sin and yours for every sin I did commit, every sin that I will ever commit. He hung suspended between heaven and earth and he says, I love you this much. And he stretched out his hands and he died. He spilled, he spilled his blood for us. Y'all, that blood was spilled for the sins of the whole world. But you know something? Just like it was in the book of Exodus, a lamb was slain for every house, but it was only the houses that had the blood applied to the doorpost that the angel of judgment passed over. Jesus' blood covers your sin. But you know what? It's not effective until you take up and believe in that blood and you apply it to the doorpost of your own heart. Shed blood and applied blood are two different things. 
Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. If you've never crossed the line of faith, if you've never said, Jesus, be my Savior and Lord, change my life, this word has no expiration date. It's for you this morning. It's for you right now. It is present. If you know the Lord and you've just been in a place of discouragement and you've something has leapt in your spirit this morning as you've been reminded that God is for you, that God is with you, and God is in you, then praise God. Be blessed. I want you to be strengthened. All of these things we talked about this morning that sent ones must remember, these always are a part of our mission. Where, whether you are the first time crossing the line of faith or whether you're asking God for a fresh start this morning, this is available to you. And very simply, it's just leaning into, as we said earlier, Spirit of God, I, I desire you. Change my heart. And so if that's you this morning and, and you would like for me to pray for you, I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here. We're not going to embarrass anybody and have you stand or anything like that. But heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. And if you would just say, Pastor, please pray for me, just slip your hand up right now. Nobody's looking around. Yes, thank you. I see that one. There's another one. Two, three, four, five. Yes, six, seven. Okay, let's, let's, congregation, let's come alongside these today and let's just encourage them by praying these words with them. Everybody say this after me. Father, thank you for this word. I receive it by faith. Thank you for the encouragement and the strength that I have felt. I look to you. And I ask you, Father, to forgive my sins, change my heart. I turn from my past, what I did and what I thought, and I turn to you in faith. And I ask you to change my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me how to walk with you. Remind me, O oh God, that you are for me and you are with me, and you are in me. In Jesus' name, I pray. All of God's people said, amen.